hello and welcome to Improve Your Order Fulfillment Operation with Roaming Shuttles. I'm Bob Troublecock. I'm the Executive Editor of Modern Materials Handling, and I'm going to be joined today by Jake Heldenberg. Jake is Head of Solution Design Warehousing North America at Vanderlanda, which is sponsoring this episode. Jake, welcome. Hey, thanks for having us uh, having me, Bob. Uh, excited to be here. Uh, there's no question but that e-commerce has upended warehouse and distribution center operations. In fact, for the last few years, we've been in the midst of an automation boom as DC operators look for more ways to handle all the piece picking that goes along with e-fulfillment. And that's led to an explosion of automated storage and retrieval systems as a core technology for goods to person picking. Within this market, shuttle systems are more prominent than ever because of their attributes like speed, scalability, ease of use, and labor savings. And we all know that labor savings has become really, really important. The question is, given the different kinds of shuttles on the market today, such as captive shuttles and roaming shuttles, which is right for you? So those are some of the things we're gonna explore with Jake. So let's get started. Jake, first, the most important question of the day, bar none. Did I pronounce Vanderlanda correctly? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I just tell everybody they, they pronounce it correctly. I mean, most people, uh, say Vonderlanda, uh, to get it, I guess, as accurate as possible. Uh, but, uh, where we are, I've heard all kinds of pronunciations from Vanderlandy to, to Vanderland. I mean, it's all, it's all there. So whatever makes you feel comfortable, I say that's the right way to say it. When, when you've grown up with Troublecock as a last name, you get used to just going <laughs> along with the flow. So there you go. All right. So let's the stage. Um, here we are. We're deep in the fall of 2022. We're about to go into peak. We know that's going to be a crazy time. How would you define the environment that's facing DC operation managers these days? Yeah. It, well, it's a, it's a unique environment. Um, obviously, the pandemic happened and, and what we saw uh, two years ago and last year still was a massive, massive growth uh, in e-com. And so what a lot of DC operations had to deal with was uh, exactly that, is how to supplement uh, their retail stores uh, with uh, e-com orders. Uh, so you've seen a lot of different ways to solve that riddle. Uh, we've seen DC operations and retail stores move towards, hey, we're going to fulfill our e-com orders either from the store or we're going to ship them to store from the DCs or from the fulfillment centers. Um, a lot of different challenges are facing DC managers today, uh, just depending on the business and the business model that their, uh, let's say, their ownership team is taking. So really, what does that mean for DC operations managers? It means that they're, they're needing to be agile and flexible um, because the market demands have shifted. Uh, we've seen e-com grow. Uh, I think last year it was 14%. They're still projecting another 9% growth So uh, for this year. So when, when you look at the growth of e-com, it's not going to go away. So these DC operations managers are having to deal with uh, these this Black Friday, this peak season right now uh, that you would think, hey, maybe uh, we tapped out. We really peaked during COVID uh, and the year after COVID, but, but we haven't. And we're seeing for the next five years, it's going to continue to grow. Uh, so being able to be agile as a DC operations manager uh, in your way of working, being able to flex your operations towards uh, either in-store pickup, uh, direct to consumer, so direct to the, the direct to the uh, home uh, itself, all of that, you have to be able to change your processes, change your ways of working, uh, and hopefully, uh, if uh, 
if you're doing things right, you're planning for the future. You're planning for that additional growth, uh, both in retail and e-com, uh, to be more agile and to be more flexible uh, with your business. Let's talk uh, for a second about the inside the four walls. You know, we just set the stage with a really high level view, you know, sort of overall view. But think about what's going on inside the four walls of the warehouse in D.C. and the challenges that managers are facing, you know, inside their facilities. Can you touch a little bit on some of those before we talk about solutions? Sure. I'll say the most common thing that I've heard over the past uh, two and a half years uh, is the labor challenge. Um, I mean, it, you never want to harp on a subject so long because then it feels a little bit uh, maybe outdated or, or overwhelming of a subject. But uh, the, the reality is, is that labor is a massive, massive challenge. And that challenge doesn't appear to be getting any better anytime soon. Um, you're seeing a cultural shift, obviously, with people uh, and generations who just don't want to work in a warehouse. Um, that's one big piece. Uh, you can't find the labor. Um, there's not enough, uh, I'll just say, low-skilled labor to bring into the warehouse to do uh, picking operations. And, you know, realistically, um, because of uh, that need for agility and, and for speed to market and the growth of e-com, you're seeing, too, that you don't want to have labor doing all of your picking because there's risk that you have quality concerns. Are, are we actually picking the right product uh, where automation can obviously uh, basically uh, prevent those kinds of mistakes? So that's the one of the I'll say the biggest, biggest issue is, is really the labor piece. Uh, additionally, it is that and continued e-com growth that's challenging uh the speed, so the speed of getting the product from reserve storage or let's say inside your four walls into the reserve storage, from that reserve storage into a pickable slot, picking that product, packing it and getting it out the door, whether that's to the store uh, or to the direct to the consumer. Um, so th let's say those are the two biggest challenges that we, we hear about is, okay, first of all, I can't get the people to actually work in my four walls. Second of all, I can't get the product outside of my four walls fast enough. You know, um, I was talking to uh, the uh, VP of supply chain for a large medical products company. This this was back, I think, in the summer of 2021. So we were, you know, it was before things really started opening up in a big way. And he, he was saying to me that he has a 50% turnover in labor. He felt pretty good that he <laughs> only had a 50% turnover in labor. And he said, you know, none of this is new. Um, all of these things that we're dealing with, we were dealing with before COVID. COVID just mm -hmm. made all of them worse. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, it's a great anecdote because um, I'll tell you in 2019, I was having a conversation with a with a major retailer and they were harping on the fact that they were at 40% turnover and that that was frustrating them. So you're absolutely right. It's not new. It's just gotten worse. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> you know, people are struggling with how to deal with this. And we are in the midst of this automation boom. So let's focus a little bit on solutions. So from what you're seeing in the market, again, at a high level, what steps are DC operations generally taking to meet these challenges driven you know, by this e-commerce growth? And what role do you see automation playing in solving these challenges? In other words, you know, not that long ago, the, the go-to solution was a multi-level pick module, right? Yeah. Where people uh, walk down the aisle and uh, pick to a cart and then maybe put it on a conveyor. So what's changing uh, today? 
Yeah, so you're, you're seeing a much broader shift towards more automation. You're absolutely right. It wasn't that long ago uh, where a pick mod, a zone pick solution was still, a, a, let's say, the most popular, the most prominent solution. Um, but what steps are, are DC operations taking uh, today? Well, they're taking data-driven um, decisions. Uh, so what I mean by that is they're they're basically pooling all of their data. They're taking order data. They're taking their their SKU uh, profiles. They're compiling that information um, and assessing it. They're looking at it and going, "Hey, what would happen if we went towards automation?" Uh, it's the it's the type of information, the kinds of questions uh, that we get, uh, that I get in my role very very often is, "Hey, I have this large data set, a lot of information. Can you help me understand?" Uh, where we need to go uh, with this information. So, of course, uh, we assess that data, we take a look at it, um, and generally speaking, you can very quickly prove out that uh, adding a shuttle system or e even uh, AMRs, as an example, which maybe don't have the same throughput rates as a shuttle system, but just taking that that next step towards automation where you get rid of all of that walking and all of the reliance on your labor and your people to make all the decisions. Well, now you're letting um, product and technology take those decisions and allowing people uh, to do the things they're good at, which is, you know, grabbing product and putting it into a, a package and closing and things like that. Um, people are still very good at that. And, and technology has still some ways to go uh, in advancing in that arena. And there is a lot of investment and a lot of technology and a lot of improvements that's happening in that arena. But at least we can leverage technology for a lot of that portion where a, a person is not adding value in terms of what they do in labor, which is walking. Uh, so now we're seeing a lot of, of, of let's say, GTP type solutions leveraging uh, AMR, ASRS, uh, shuttles in general uh, to support their operations. Do you want to, um, before we, we talk a little bit about shuttles here, there's a lot of different kind of shuttles. Do you want to just kind of walk us through that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, there's, I'll call them, you have one dimensional shuttles, you have two dimensional shuttles, you have three dimensional shuttles. Uh, I like to just keep it down to you have conventional and you have roaming shuttles. Um, so quite simply, a conventional shuttle or is what we would call a conventional shuttle uh, is your one dimensional shuttle. Uh, so those shuttles are both level and aisle bound. What does that mean? It means that you have a shuttle on every level and in every aisle, and you must have a lift in front of every aisle uh, to pick up the product from that shuttle, uh, from all of those shuttles. Uh, for a roaming shuttle, there's many different types of roaming shuttles. Um, as I mentioned, there's both 2D and 3D roaming shuttles. Uh, you can look at the market and see uh, all the different ways that those types of roaming shuttles uh, have been built and are implemented as well. Uh, but roaming shuttles are becoming ever so popular because of the increased flexibility that they provide, um, as well as in a general rule of thumb, um, uh, let's say at a reduced overall expense. And what I mean by that is you can imagine that if I have a one-dimensional shuttle, uh, then I have to still, let's say, pay for the uh, maintenance of every single one of those shuttles and every lift uh, at the front of the system. Whereas if I implement roaming shuttles, well, now I'm really only in investing in the product that I need. And that's why we're seeing this huge increase uh, in, in roaming shuttle, both development, but also uh, in procurement in the market. 
So you mentioned GTP or goods to person and, you know, that model with some type of uh, high density storage and some kind of a methodology, you know, whether it's a shuttle or some other competing technology to get it down to the goods to person um, really is becoming, you know, more commonplace. So if I'm thinking about the roaming shuttle versus the fixed aisle shuttle that you just described, what are the factors I ought to be considering uh, as I decide what's going to work best in my operation? Generally speaking, and I'll take it to a very high level, um, throughput. Uh, you need to look at throughput. You need to look at uh, flexibility. Um, you want to look at redundancy. Uh, you need to look at uh, scalability. All of those things are, are big, big factors. Um, I'll say that if you're using a shuttle just to simply act as a buffer, um, there's still a place for the conventional shuttle. I talk about the fact that roaming shuttles are really, really uh, impressing on the market now, and, and you're seeing a lot more of those get sold. But that doesn't mean that they're the only option. Uh, so with a conventional shuttle, if you have a very, very high throughput, low location count type ASRS, uh, that's what your data suggests you need, then a conventional shuttle still makes a lot of sense, even you know with the GTP on the front end. Um, but in principle, uh, yeah, it's, it's throughput, it's agility, uh, where the roaming shuttles take a lot of, um, uh, let's say are taking a lot of the market, so to speak, is on that premise of agility on that premise of if I lose a shuttle, I don't lose access to those SKUs in on that level in that aisle anymore because I pull that shuttle out, takes me a couple minutes to pull it out. I might even have a spare shuttle in my, uh, let's say, spare parts area where I throw a new shuttle back in and I don't lose any capacity either. Uh, with the SLAs that we've seen for customer service now from a lot of these, especially these, these major e-com players, you can't have that downtime. You can't lose access to your product or to your SKUs. And that's why you're seeing these roaming shuttles take a major, major, let's say, leap forward is because I still always have that access. I don't have any kind of concerns with if I lose X, Y, or Z that I won't have access to my SKUs and I'm going to have to basically delay customer orders. That doesn't happen anymore. And then the last piece that I talked about, of course, is scalability. Uh, you see that some of the trends in the market, of course, like Black Friday, used to be this one day. Um, you, you're seeing this now get spread out over four weeks, right? You're seeing a lot of uh, like your targets, Walmarts, these major players of the world trying to now turn it into more of a sales week, not a sales day or a sales month even in some cases. Um, and, and so that's at least reducing some of the stress on your DCs, your fulfillment centers, and how much peak has a major impact. But it doesn't change the fact that still November, December are very big peak months where you have to ramp up your operations. And also the other piece of that in terms of scalability is the unpredictable growth. I mean, we talk about it fairly frequently. Uh, we know that e-com is going to continue to grow. Uh, we don't know what new players are going to come in and then have massive 50%, 100%, 200% year-over-year growth on the e-com space. Well, being able to build a full rack system where I don't know what my growth looks like over the next uh, two, three, five, ten years, and then just only having to add shuttles to that system is a huge, huge advantage in the market because then I, I spend my capex as I need to spend it and I don't have to build my system with all of the shuttles required for year 10. I can build it for year two and then know that when year two hits, if I am growing exponentially, I can already invest in the next set of shuttles and throw those in my rack system. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. So if you can't answer this question, I understand. But um, you, you talked about throughput a moment ago. 
we talked about two different shuttles. And I remember talking to a DC manager who in other facilities used shuttles. And in the facility I was, uh, was um, in, they were using, you know, a goods to person with an automated storage and retrieval engine behind it, but not a shuttle technology. And when mm -hmm. I said to him, well, you're using shuttles over here, but why not here? He goes, well, for us, it all comes down to throughput. And he said, and frankly, I just, I don't need the horsepower in this facility that I would get from the shuttle system. I use it over there because I need throughput. I need that horsepower. If you think about the two different types of shuttles you described, is there a range? I know it's, you know, it, it's going to vary, mm -hmm. but is there a range of throughput for the fixed aisle shuttle versus the roaming shuttle? There, there is. And in fact, one of the things it's, it's funny you bring up that, uh, you know, throughput is a key driver for, for choosing a shuttle because you don't need that, that horsepower. Um, for the conventional shuttle system, that was very, very true because the investment level was very high because you, like I said, you, you're bound to the fact that you have to put a shuttle in every level and every aisle. Plus all the and, rack. And plus all the rack. Exactly. What we're seeing now uh, with roaming shuttles is that cost disparity, I'll say, uh, between, um, let's say, uh, a, a low throughput system still feeding a GTP, uh, let's using maybe an AMR type solution versus uh, a shuttle solution is getting tighter and tighter. Um, it's not to say that uh, they're same today because they're not. Uh, but in the future, it wouldn't, let's say, I won't be surprised as we continue to see more and more customers come in and still take that that leap, that investment in a shuttle system, knowing that it, because it's roaming and because I can add shuttles later, because I can add capacity later, that yes, I may pay a little more for that rack system up front, but in the long run, I'm going to save money because I don't have to build out a whole new system, retrain my people, uh, let's say retrain the DC managers on the processes, et cetera, uh, by having the shuttle in Let's say I spend another, I don't know, X percent more to have the shuttle system in just for those savings that you'll get later on. Um, so, again, I appreciate that uh, you, you don't need the horsepower, let's say back uh, even maybe uh, just a few years ago, that you really wanted to have a couple different solutions for different throughputs. The advent of the roaming shuttle is now reducing that need and giving businesses greater flexibility to expand and improve and increase their throughputs uh, later on at a much lower investment level. Uh, that, so that, actually, thank you. That's an interesting way to think of it. Um, so I've decided I'm going to use either fixed aisle or I'm going to use a roaming shuttle. I'm going to put it in. I've probably gone from pick to cart or, you know, the traditional multi-level pick module. Once I do that, uh, that goods to person and I'm doing the, the shuttle system, what are some of the benefits I'm going to realize as I get up and running? Yeah, so very, we, we've hit a couple, but I'll, I'll expound on a, a few of them a bit more. So obviously, um, it, it really is a huge benefit to uh, the labor in the building. Uh, one of the things we, we talked a lot about turnover. Uh, well, when you have people who basically, if you have a, a DC with a lot of turnover, um, your training time goes down significantly. Uh, simply put, if I have a GTP, I have it connected to my, my ASRS, my shuttle system. Uh, the shuttle system is delivering the products in the, in the correct sequence to the, to the person making the picks, right? So in that sense, all that operator has to do, especially if they're leveraging a roaming shuttle and have one-to-one -one picking is 
pick from one bin and then pick it to another bin or pick it into the order cart or whatever it might be. So to train a person, it's literally showing them uh, maybe five minutes of this is how it works and they're ready to go. You're, you're automatically in a good position to be successful in your role uh, as a picker. Uh, the other benefit, of course, uh, that they're immediately going to see uh, with inside the four walls is that speed. Uh, so instead of having 200, 300, 500 people, I know if there's some DC managers out there listening, they're recognizing that those numbers, even as high as 3,000 people inside of four walls, instead of having them all run over each other, trying to make picks and making mistakes, and then, hey, I'm, I've scanned this, I grabbed the wrong quantity, whatever it might be. Now, with the shuttle system and the GTP all connected, it, you don't have those same kinds of errors. So you, you actually improve as a business, your customer satisfaction because of the workforce inside the DC is really just getting the, the product and placing it into the order cart. And the only thing they really have to do, and we can even put in checks for that, is to count the number of items that you get. Because if I get a tote and let's say this person has ordered one medium blue shirt, well, the operator picks out one medium blue shirt. And like I said, there's ways to check even the quantity, such as weighing the, the order card and as it goes out, things like that. But you're going to see much, much better, uh, let's say, uh, I'll call it more predictable uh, throughputs, as well as much, much uh, less uh, errors throughout your DC. So those are really quick, I'll say, highlights and benefits that you'll get from getting an ASRS uh, with a GTP system. So uh, two more questions. <clears throat> Given everything that's out there today, um, what advice would you offer to listeners as they're going through the decision-making process? Uh, take your time, actually. Uh, everybody wants to jump the gun and go, I need a, you know, uh, here's my data. Tell me what, what size system I need and, and I'm, ready to, I'm ready to pull the trigger and let's go. Um, I, I think that some of the best uh retailers that I've worked with so far are ones that are patient and we work with them for a while to come to the right solution. Um, what's really important, again, is if you want to reap the full benefits of a shuttle system, especially a roaming shuttle system, it's understanding where you want to be, um, not just tomorrow, uh, but five years and 10 years from now, because if you plan it well enough, then you get to reap the full benefits of, I need to increase my throughputs. I've already planned to add, you know, one shuttle per level, as an example, to uh, in year five. Um, and I know in year eight, I want to add five more aisles, uh, which is a non-issue, of course, with a roaming shuttle, because I, I don't even want to add the lifts. I've already planned for that throughput. Uh, that Take your time. Uh, get... Uh, get your data, obviously, over to uh, uh, to the vendor that you want to work with, um, certainly, preferably us, but, uh, um, you know, get it over to the venue you want to work with and take your time and work with them and plan out uh, the build out that you're looking to achieve, as well as your strategy. Um, I think it's it's sometimes overlooked, but um, what is your growth plan? If you are, are you looking at an Omni DC? Are you looking at a fulfillment center or just a distribution center? Are you going to be handling cases and eaches? Are you, are you going to be handling only eaches? All of those things are important questions to answer as far as building out your strategy and building out the right uh, type of shuttle design. Last question. So uh, one of the listeners is, has decided they want to make this move towards uh, a shuttle ASRS. What's the first step in the process? 
The first step in the process. Yeah. Uh, like I said, reach out to us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Uh, 1-800-JAKE. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, it's get your data. Uh, I, I mentioned at the very beginning of this uh, conversation, get your data. Uh, pull your data for the past year, multiple years, whatever it is, um, and and do a deep dive into that. That's really the first step uh, is getting all your data. Make sure it's in, in good shape and in good form. Um, and then when you analyze it, you're going to be looking for things like, uh, number one, your projected growth, uh, but not just your own projected growth in terms of throughput, but also are you, are you going to grow in your SKU portfolio? Are you going from 10,000 SKUs to 20,000 to 50,000 SKUs? Uh, take a look at all of that, put together a plan, uh, take that plan and go, okay, uh, compare it to, uh, simply put, you'll do a business case analysis. And the way to do that is compare it to your current way of working where you're, let's say today, you're highly manual, you have lots of turnover, et cetera, et cetera. And then look at if I were to implement a shuttle system, yes, I'm going to have a certain CapEx original spend, but there's going to be a period of time where I'm going to say, all right, here's all the benefits I've achieved. On top of now I can reduce certain things like instead of two day delivery, maybe I want to do one day delivery because I have that certainty and that increased speed and look at that as an opportunity for your business as well to improve the customer experience. So you've, you've got to pull a lot of information in, but the very first step you have to do is look at your data, look at your business strategy, look at your plans for the future, and then start working with a vendor to figure out the right shuttle for you. Great. Thank you. Jake, again, thanks so much. That's all the time we have today. But again, I want to thank Jake Heldenberg for today's conversation and Vonderlanda for sponsoring this web uh, this podcast. I hope you'll be back with us soon. And for more information, be sure to visit Vonderlanda.com. For Modern Materials Handling, I'm Bob Troublecock.